I want you to turn to two passages of Scripture. Exodus 2 and Hebrews 11. Exodus 2 and Hebrews 11. Just hold your place at both places. Uh, This morning we began not just a new series, but it's really a church-wide campaign to raise the bar. Everyone say raise the bar. In fact, and in fact, let me just throw this out. If I get to really cooking today and, and use if something in you just rises up, you, you can just say, we got to raise the bar. I mean, I mean, I need you to catch it with me and it's okay to interact. And, and, and it says it's a church-wide commitment campaign to transform the culture of our church family. Everyone say transformation. And I'll explain that a little later. Uh, but uh, our culture as a church family needs, we need to raise the bar. Everybody just say, look at three or four people and say, we got to raise the bar around here. We've got to raise the bar. I have a friend by the name of Louise Ritter. If you Google Louise Ritter, uh, you'll find that she won the gold, I think in 1988. I can't remember. I graduated in, seven, no, it wasn't 88. Oh, it was some, it was after we graduated. But Louise was a big, tall, uh, uh, you know, thin gal. And she went to the to the Olympics and won the gold medal in high jump. She learned how to raise the bar, and she outdid uh, those that were expected to win that year. And uh, as a result, she won the gold medal. So I'm actually even Facebook friends with a gold medalist in the high jump. And so, so I remember her in her younger years and how I'd watch her. We'd all be amazed at how she would just could just fly over the high jump and if that's what you call it, the high jump, she raised the bar and she practiced and as a result, she got the gold. I really believe that when we raise the bar in our spiritual life, God will bless us, amen? I really do. I was talking to a friend of mine by the name of Mark Bowman. Mark Bowman actually lived with us when I was in a senior in high school. He didn't have a good family life and my parents loved him and brought him in. He's been my probably one of my best friends for all of my years. And in fact, we talk on the phone probably once or twice a week for 30 or 40 minutes at a time. And just a great friend. Well, he's a superintendent in a small school district in Oklahoma. When he came to the school district, uh, the teachers weren't really teaching. They were just drawing a paycheck and morale was at an all-time low. And he realized he had to raise the bar. And he knew he had some teachers that would were just not interested in teaching. And somehow he's got to weed, weed through all of that and raise the bar. So he said, we started raising the bar. We started having, uh, uh, you know, weekly staff meetings. And everybody got really mad. He said, in fact, he, he used a little different word. It was heck around there. Because nobody wanted to raise the bar. Everybody wanted it just to be, didn't want anybody rock the apple cart. But he kept after it. And before long, in a year or so, the culture of that school system began to change. And he said four years later, if we don't have a staff meeting, the teachers say, say, uh, Mr. Bowman, why didn't we have a staff meeting? We want to get together. We love hanging out with one another. The culture changed. But in the beginning, it was hard. And I want to tell you right up front when I, as we begin in just a few moments when I'm done, I'm going to give you some suggested raising the bar challenges that all of us together and personally will begin to raise the bar in our own life. And so, so let me just get, get it, get it out right up front. This may not be easy for you. In fact, as we'll learn today, it may make you a little mad. Look at your neighbor and say, just hang on. We got to raise the bar around here. 
Tell somebody, got to hang on. And one part of our personal challenge, you'll get this later, but we have a memory verse that we're going to learn every week as a church family. And so our memory verse today, uh, our weekly, we're going to have a weekly memory verse. I'm going to give you handouts for that. It's 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. In fact, if you were in Sunday circles this morning, you got a head start with this. And let me say, we had four full tables of Sunday circles, people. Uh, and I want to encourage you to be here next Sunday at 9.30, a little before, get a donut or a half a donut or a whole donut, whatever, and gather around the table. We'll, there's room at the table for you. We learned this. I want us all to read this out loud because this is our memory verse. We're going to have seven raising the bar memory verses. Now, this is the gospel. Let's all read it together. I'm going to give it to you on paper later, but let's read it right now. Everyone together. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And everybody said amen. What is that, by the way? That's the... Somebody say it's the gospel. That's the good news. That's the reason we're here today. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. This week, I want you all week long to quote that Scripture. I want you to quote it to your kids. I want you to quote it to your wife. I want you to quote it to your spouse. Hey, it's everybody say, it's time to raise the bar around here. Amen? Tell somebody, it's time we raise the bar around here a little bit. Amen. So that's our memory verse for the week. And I'll give you a handout that will have all of them for you in just a few moments. Uh, and you can begin to raise the bar in memorizing uh, these scriptures. Now, let me just say, the church in America has been inundated with an unhealthy and unholy attitude of selfish discontent and disconnect from Bible principles. Now, has anybody seen any bit of a little disconnect from what the Bible says? in America today. It's in the church as well, by the way. And and the commitment level, listen, let me tell you, raising the bar is all about commitment. The commitment level in, in, in the church, by and large in America, has gotten, we've lowered the bar day by day, week by week. We've lowered the standard in the church. And, and now in some circles, yeah, you know what? You don't even have to be... Uh, 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 Try to live godly to be a Christian. I mean, I'm telling you, the standard has been lowered. It's time to raise the bar. Tell somebody it's time we raise the bar. And so catch this. Raising the bar is a church-wide campaign to raise our commitment level in three areas. Number one, to raise the bar of commitment, our commitment to Jesus Christ. Amen. How many of you know we need to be more committed to Him today than ever before? We're going to raise the bar of our commitment, our personal commitment to His purposes, which really you could say His purpose, and that is to win people to Jesus Christ. Amen? That's what the Great Commission is all about. And number three, it's a church-wide campaign to raise the bar of our commitment to one another. We need one another, and we need the local church in our life. And there's a problem in America. The America has lowered the bar. People are living far beneath their God-given potential in America today. America's suffering some issues. We've lowered the bar, and it's time to raise the bar. And let me just give you some, t- some statistics. Listen carefully. On any given Sunday in America, 
This is across, these are statistics that, 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 uh, that are based upon, uh, insight into the church in America. On any given Sunday in America, less than 50% of quote, active members will be in attendance. Did you get that? On any given Sunday in America, less than 50% of, here's what I'll call active members will be in attendance. You know what that does? That makes the pastor's job of raising the bar almost impossible. To be able to communicate truth and know that you have less than 50% of your people there on any given Sunday, it makes it almost impossible. Now, in my, in, back in the early 80s, did you know in the early 80s when I got in church and I started attending church, did you know that statistic was 80%? In the early 80s when I got born again or when I really started walking with God and got filled with the Holy Spirit and committed to local church, the statistics were 80%. It was 80-20. 80% of church uh, active members would be in church. And since the 80s, it is now by and large below 50%. What's happened? We've lowered the bar. The bar of commitment has been lowered, and so it's time to raise the bar. Tell somebody it's time we raise the bar. Now catch this one. Uh, on any given Sunday, it just depends on where you are, but somewhere between, between 10 and 25% of active members will actually tithe. How many of you know it's hard? Let me just ask you this. How many of you have a weekly income? How many of you pretty much use that weekly income? You need it, right? Could I take 75% of it? Could I take 75% of it and you be able to function? La-dee-da-da, la-dee-da. You might want to think about that one. On any given Sunday, only 50% of Christian attendees have actually shared the gospel in the past year. In other words, we're not reaching the world for Jesus Christ. Active members of the church are not winning people to Christ or sharing the gospel. And so we got a, we've lowered the bar. Everybody say we've lowered the bar. You see, when the church was born, it was all about winning people to Jesus, right? Now today, it's all about making me feel good and getting the monkey off my back. Oh, could I get a better amen? We've, we, the culture of the church has changed. From an evangel, we've become a cruise ship for the saints rather than a fishing vessel for sinners. We need to change the culture. We need to raise the bar. Now catch this. Uh, on any given Sunday in America, 25% of the church-going married women who are worshiping this morning in the churches in America are without their husbands. 25% of women, married women who are at church today 25% of all the married women in church today in America, 25% of them, their husbands are not there with them for whatever reason. Now catch this one, guys. This ought to alarm us all. And these are just a few statistics. I could throw out more. On any given Sunday, 70% of the boys will abandon church by the time their teenagers are in their early 20s. Now, if all the boys were here and they're not, they're in their class... If, I, if all the boys that were in elementary school and high school were in here this morning, uh, we got them all up here. The statistic is 70% of them will abandon church by the time. How many of you know we're going backwards? We've lowered the bar. Something's wrong. Hey, could I just tell you something's wrong in America? Something's wrong in the American church. 
when 70% of our teen boys uh, our, our boys are abandoning church by the time they're in their teens or their 20s. And I'll just give you one more, guys. And, and guys, we are the leaders of our home. So uh, five out of six men in America call themselves Christian. I didn't realize that. That sounds great. Five out of six men in America call themselves Christian, but only one of those six men are attending church this morning. La-dee-da-da. We need to pause and realize there's a problem in America. Let me show you a, 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 a graph this morning. Let me show you a little map. The map this morning uh, is a growth rate map of evangelical Christianity. Now, it, it, it measures the fact is, is evangelistic Christianity uh, keeping up with or overtaking the growth rate in those countries. Now, see all that blue? Do you see the blue? That blue is this. Evangelical growth is faster than population growth. Now, that's pretty encouraging, right? In other words, most of the world, Christianity is, is growing faster than the populations of those countries. That means around the world, the gospel is working. Amen? But I have to note to you that the yellow is not such an encouraging picture. The yellow indicates that evangelical growth is slower than the population growth. Look at America and Canada, my friend. In America and Canada, some of the most prosperous place on all the earth, the church in America is not even keeping up with, with population growth. In other words, we're losing ground. And I contend with you, it is because we have lowered the bar. Our commitment level to Jesus, our commitment level to His purposes, and our commitment level to the church has been lowered. Somebody say, it's time we raise the bar. I believe we could start a movement right here in Beaumont, Texas of raising the bar, for goodness sake. Listen, our kids are in trouble. Uh, little Mabry here on the front row is in serious trouble if we don't raise the bar in her behalf. Those children that are across the hall, those boys over there that 70% of them will, will walk away from church and Jesus are in, and, and, and His purposes are in serious trouble if we as God's people don't raise the bar in our own life. Amen. See, some of you are already getting uncomfortable. I told you the first reaction of the school system in Oklahoma, they got all mad. I hope that's not the case with you. Amen. Everybody say we got to raise the bar. We really do. Now, now understand something about God. God is a God of standards. Do you realize that? God's a God of standards. In fact, in creation, when you look at the Old Testament standard, the, rate, the bar that God set in the Old Testament in creation, He got Adam and Eve. And man, what a, what a, what a job being Adam and Eve. Everything's great. You have everything you need. There's no problems. There's no trouble. And all God said to them, He said, man, you can do this all. It's all yours. You can have it all, but here's, here's the standard. See this tree of the knowledge of good and evil? You can't eat from that fruit. That's the standard. Don't eat from this fruit. Everything else, you can do whatever you want. This is the standard. Don't eat from the fruit. Now, what happened? Listen carefully. The devil convinced Adam and Eve 
that the standard did not apply to them. In America today and in the church today, the devil has done the same thing. He has convinced many that the standard doesn't really apply to them. The standard that God has set doesn't necessarily apply to me. It doesn't apply to me. God will bless me. Listen, most people live life, most church folk live life like this. They live like, they, they set their own standards and they live life under their own governance and their own guidance and somehow they expect God to bless it. And I believe that the church in America in many ways is under the influence of the deceiver. In America today, the standard has been lowered. In our government today and in our world, the standard of what it means to be a husband or be married has been lowered. Listen, it's happening all over our world. In fact, the Old Testament standard, once sin entered, God, God set another standard. It was called the law. How many of you have ever read through the law a little bit? Man, it is tedious. I'm telling you, in fact, the law that God set was an impossible standard. And that when you study Scripture, you'll find out that the law was not given to try to make people uh, live up to the law. It was given in reality to prove to humanity and even godly people that there is no way they can keep the rules. It was an impossible standard. That God said, in fact, it was so impossible that the religious leaders of the day would change the rules so they could try to fit the standard. You know, if the standard said this, they would lower the bar and say that it really said this. And they would lo kept lowering the bar to see if they could keep the standard. But we find that the law was given to show us that there's no way we can keep, not much less raise the standard in our life. And then Jesus came. The New Testament standard. And he's all about raising the bar. This is interesting to me because as I, as I put it in this context, you begin to read the words, uh, the, read the red. In fact, when you go to Jesus' first recorded sermon, which is the sermon on the, it's all about raising the bar. It, it's, he said, here's what, if you're going to be a follower of me, here's the bar. Here's the standard. In fact, you read through, I think it's chapter 5. He says it three or four times. You have heard that it was said that you're supposed to love your, uh, uh, your brethren and hate your enemies. That was a changing of the law. He said, but I say unto you, love your enemies. And he said that three or four times. You heard that it was said here. But let me raise the bar here a little bit. You've heard that it was said that you're not supposed to commit adultery. But I tell you, if you think about it in your heart, I'm raising the standard. You've already done it. Jesus was all about raising the bar. And get us where God intended us to be all along. Somebody tell somebody, we've got to raise the bar around here. In fact, I love, I love, Pete, I love, y'all know Peter's one of my favorite disciples and favorite persons to study and and, and, and look at his life. He was just an old fisherman. He was living the lowly life. The bar was set low. In fact, a lot of people believe Peter flunked out of preschool and rabbi school. So he's just a fisherman, you see. And Jesus walked into 
just oh, what we might call a country bumpkin kind of guy's life. And he got into his boat. And he said, I'll tell you what I'll do for you. I'll raise the bar. If you follow me, I'll transform you. There's that word, transform. Let me tell you something. This was a culture shift for Peter. Peter's just a fisherman. I'll transform your life. You'll no longer have to be just a fisher of fish. I'll transform your life. I'll make you a fisher of men. Raise the bar. And in the next 20 minutes, I want to show you, I want to talk to you about Moses, the lawgiver. Everyone say Moses. Have you seen the movie, The Ten Commandments? Moses. Everybody say it deep. Moses. Oh, my Moses. I mean, God's, you know, God, how, how many of you think, I don't know how God's voice, you know, most of us think Moses. I don't know. He might have said Moses. I don't know. But we have this, this, this grandiose picture of Moses. But how many of you know Moses was not always grandiose? In fact, here's your raising the bar homework for this week. I didn't, I didn't have this on any printed material, but I want you to read the book of Exodus. I want you to read about the life of... I said I want you to read about the life of Moses. Because Moses is a great illustration of how God used just an ordinary man to do extraordinary things. And in effect, Moses raised the bar in his life. Even when everybody else had lowered the bar, Moses was raising the bar. And let me just give you the quick story. Are you in Exodus chapter 2? You know Moses was born uh, in Egypt and the, 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 the law had been given out to all the birth mothers, the, mother, the people who were helping give birth to babies that if you see a male baby, you just kill it because we don't want any more male babies because these Egyptians, uh, pardon me, these Israelites, these Hebrews are prolific. And if we're not careful before we know it there'll be so many in number that they'll take us over and so we've got to control the population of these Israelites of these Hebrews and you know the story uh, that Moses uh, in when he was born his mother and daddy uh, chose to fear God over uh, 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 the Pharaoh and they they hid him you know the story they hid him in the weeds and the Pharaoh's daughter came and she fell in love with Moses, I said she fell in love with, and she said he's so cute and he's just so sweet. And she brought him home, and it's kind of interesting. They realize, oh, we need somebody to take care of this, uh, take care of Moses, and so they worked a deal with her mother and with his mother, and she actually got to invest uh, the early years. And so Moses was raised in Pharaoh's court. And you know the story, when he got older, he walked out and he saw some Egyptians persecuting some of his uh, Israelite brethren, and the anger uh, rose up in him, and he killed two, Is uh, pardon me, he killed two Egyptians. And he thought nobody had seen him, but he went back the next day and some of the Hebrews saw him and said, oh, you're the guy who killed the Egyptian. And he began to fear and he realized, I'm in serious trouble. And he fled Egypt. 
And he found himself in the land of Midian. And he came to Midian and, and uh, he came upon uh, the priest of Midian. Uh, I forget his name, even if it is mentioned. He had daughters and they were at the well trying to draw water. And just like Moses was, keeps up for the underdog, the shepherds were kind of pushing the, the daughters of Midian uh, out of the way. And he kind of stood up for them and helped them uh, and got them at a place where they could get water. And they got home early and their daddy said, how come y'all got home so early and she said he said how come they got home so early uh, and they said well there was this guy named and I don't think they knew his name but I just wanted you to say it again and and Moses helped us deal with the with the the shepherds and we got home early and she said well they he said why didn't you bring him to supper for goodness sake so long story short Moses spent 40 years there in the wilderness as a helper to he married one of the daughters and for 40 years he served and then one day he's walking through the desert and he sees a bush that's on what and the bush that's on fire but it's not consumed it curiosity got him and he went over and God was in the bush and God began to speak to him and tell him, he said, Moses, you're to bring my people out of this Egyptian bondage. I'm, you're my chosen one. And that's the story of Moses. And Moses, and in fact, you need to read this because man, God is telling him all these phenomenal things and he's having a hard time because as you see it, he had what? Moses had issues. You don't may not realize it, but he did. Let me show you some of his issues quickly. He had inner issues. He had limitations in his life that kept him from raising the bar in his life. And listen, I believe the issues that Moses had are issues maybe that all of us have on some level. I want to show you his issues quickly. And even because he had issues, how many of you know Peter had issues? All of us have issues. Look at your neighbor and just say, you got issues too. You got issues too. We all have issues. Hey, we all, listen, we all, listen, listen, we all have reasons not to raise the bar. My mama, my daddy, my brother, my sister, my job, my this, my that, the culture of this community. All of us have issues. Here's some of Moses' issues. Number one, he had indignation issues. That's, that's anger. You ever met anybody had an anger issue? Moses had anger issues. I'm not sure why Moses had anger issues, but he had anger issues. Uh, and it could, we could analyze it for a long time. Uh, and, and we see this in, in his interaction with this Egyptian who was tormenting uh, these Israelites. He looked around and he was so angry that he killed a person out of anger. Now that's a guy with some issues. And then later, even after he's leading the children of Israel out, it crops up again in a really bad way. You know the story when, when they're leading the children of Israel through the wilderness, they came right out and, and they all of a sudden they're without water and the children of Israel are, are complaining and God speaks to Moses and he says this, this rock, you see, he said, take your staff and strike the rock and out will come water. And he did. And God showed himself supernaturally pro providing in the provision of God for the children of Israel. But later on, they found themselves in the same place. And the children of Israel do what they do best. They complain. And by this time, Moses
And his indignation issue came out again. But this time God knew something about me. God knew. God knew. He had an anger issue. And he was hacked off. God said, okay, Moses, just speak to the rock. Moses was so angry. He struck the rock. And God was so gracious that water came out even when Moses was angry. That anger outburst cost him the promised land. Listen, our issues, if we don't deal with our issues, they will cost us a whole lot. And Moses had indignation issues. Number two, we find when we look at Moses, he not only had an, in, he had an anger issue, but he had an identity issue. Now, catch this about Moses. He was a Hebrew, right? In fact, he knew he was a Hebrew because when he met with, uh, he saw the Egyptian persecuting the two Hebrews. He, he saw them, and the scripture says, he saw this Egyptian tormenting his brethren. He knew, he grew up knowing he was an Israelite and a Hebrew. Now, interesting little point. When he finds himself out with the daughters of Midian out in the wilderness, they come home and they tell daddy, well, here's the reason we were early is because an Egyptian took care of us. So here's the identity crisis with Moses. He, he, he realized his Israelite bloodline. But he reflected his Egyptian upbringing, which is, by the way, worldly. This guy had an identity crisis. And so, interesting thing, God shows up with him in the burning bush. And just begin, and you got to read this. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to read this story. Whoo, y'all got to read this. Hey, parents, get your kids around. Y'all read about... Uh, come on, y'all are slow. I said, get your kids together. Get your wife together and y'all read about... Oh, say it deeper and more, more godly. Uh, read about Moses. And you'll read about his identity crisis. And God comes to him and, man, I'm going to deliver and God, I'm going to use you and we're going to bring these children of Israel out. And the first question, when God finally took a breath, Mo, Moses pipes up and he says, who am I? That I should do this. He didn't know who he was. He had identity crisis going on in his life. Just like a lot of us do. We don't realize who we are. We got fathers. Listen. We got fathers in this house today. Who are God ordained leaders of their home. They just don't know it yet. We got parents today who are God-ordained uh, uh, leaders of their children, but they're still letting their children make all the choices and decisions. Come on now, we got identity issue. We're all messed up. Just like Moses. Moses had an indignation issue. He had an a, a, a identity issue. And he also had insecurity issues. And he was insecure. 
Maybe it's because of his identity problems, but he was insecure. He was, he had anxiety about anxiety and uncertainty about his own life. Look in Exodus chapter three with me for just a moment. Look in verse 13. Look what he says here. He, and when, when, uh, uh, when God kind of gives a breath, then Moses said to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, what is his name? What shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Then moreover, God said to Moses, then you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord your God, the fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever and this is a memorial to them. But we find Moses, what do I say? What do I say? Who do I say sent me? Sent me. Look in Exodus 4.1. Then Moses answered and said to him, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, The Lord has not appeared to you. <laughs> you ever felt that way when it was time to witness for Christ? What if they don't believe me? What if they don't accept what I have to say? He had insecurity issues, just like all of us. He had inferiority issues. And we find here, when, when Moses' insecurity pops up in chapter 4, verse 1, and then God jumps in again, and he's Mr. Encouraged. God's encouraging him and saying, man, this is how you know that I'm with you, and man, I'm going to be a miraculous provider. You're going to see my miracles. And then Moses, in verse 10, here comes his inferiority complex. Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. And he was inferior. He felt like he was not the guy. He had inferiority complex. Because he couldn't speak. Here God's saying, I want to use you to be my voice to Pharaoh and my voice to lead the children of Israel out. And man, the inferiority issue, his issues started coming up and bubbling over in even in the face of this great discourse with God Almighty in the burning bush. And then God responds and you can tell the Lord's getting a little irritated. He says, so the Lord said to me, who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, and the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth, and teach what you shall, uh, and teach you what you shall say. Man. In other words, what God said, I don't care about your inferiority. I made your mouth. If I made your mouth, and I made you that way, then I'll take care of your inferiority issues. And that's when one of the last issues began to arise up about Moses. It was his rebellion and his insubordination issue. He said, to the, he said basically this. He said, I cannot do it. He said, I can't. Look at the verse. Look at the verse. He said, in verse, God said, I made your mouth. But verse 13, he said, but he said, 
Oh, my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. In other words, he said, I can't do this. I'm not going to do this. And that's when God got angry with him. Listen, when we keep throwing our issues before God and telling him, these are why I can't raise the bar in my life. Hey, if we keep it up and keep it up, we're going to hack him off. And I tell you today, in the culture we live in, you don't want God mad at you. And it says, the anger of the Lord rose against Moses and kindled against him. And he said, is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. And look, he is also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, uh, he will be glad in his heart. And basically he says, Aaron will be your voice. Now go out and fulfill the purpose of God for my life, for, for your life that I have given you. But all of these issues Moses had and, and that, that would have limited him and kept him from raising the bar. And we sit here today in the comfort of this wonderful sanctuary, and every one of us here, including this pastor, have issues. Just like Moses. But now let's fast forward. You want to hear the good news? It's 11.56. I got four minutes. The good news is this. Moses overcame his inner issues. Yes, he missed the promised land on earth, but understand something in his life. Undoubtedly, he effectively raised the bar because in Matthew 17, okay, you'll go and it's the Mount of Transfiguration. There's Jesus, there's Peter, and there's John. And they go on the Mount of Transfiguration and who appears there? Elijah and... Come on, y'all are getting weak on me. Who appears there? Elijah and Moses appear. In other words... Somewhere between the burning bush and his death, he raised the bar. So much so that when Jesus needed a little heavenly counsel, if you will, Moses was there with Elijah. Here's another one. I didn't see this. I didn't realize this. You go to, you fast forward to the end of time in Revelation 15 when, when the tribulation is, is in full bore. You know what heaven is singing? This just blowed my mind. I didn't see this. The first time I've ever seen this. I've been pastoring all my life and this is the first time I've seen it. You know what heaven was singing? The song of, I'm talking about raise the bar. When heaven starts singing your songs, Something has happened and the bar has been raised. Now, we're going to close. Turn to Hebrews 11. Everybody say Moses. Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter. How did he do it? I say, how did he do it? Hebrews 11 verse 23. By faith. Somebody say, by faith. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. In other words, his parents had faith. Verse 24, catch this, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, that means when he matured, he refused, now catch this, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. In other words, he dealt with his identity issue. 
choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. In other words, he forsaked the way of the, the Egyptian life. He dealt with those issues. And by faith, he says, he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. Now this is not a reference to him fleeing the king in fear. This is a reference to an inner work in his heart. When he got out and he realized who he was, and he began to realize, man, I'm a man of God, and he began to deal with these issues in his life. He forsook the ways of the world. He shook off those things that had attached themselves to him in that evil Egypt land. Do it for goodness sakes. By faith. He forsook it. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. He had a vision. In fact, understand something. Uh, He saw it before he saw it. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. And then verse 29, by faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. If we had time, we'd go back to that. And when they stood before the Red Sea, God spoke to Moses and said, you tell the people to go forward. In the face of the Red Sea. Now, that's a step of faith. Now, how did Moses overcome his issues? By faith. How are you and I going to overcome our issues? How are we going to raise the bar in our families, in our life, in our church? By faith. I'm going to ask our ushers to pass out three things. You need to leave here today as a family with three things. We're going to go over them. Raising the bar personal challenges. Raising the bar church-wide challenges. I'm going to ask all the ushers to help. Let's do this as quickly as we can. Raising the bar memory verses. And this is where we're, this is today in Sunday circles. We talked about Hearing the Word, speaking the Word, and then stepping out and acting on the Word. How are we going to raise the bar? Well, we do it by faith. I'm going to sit at home and I'm just going to trust God to raise the bar in my life and do nothing. The Scripture says, faith without works is dead. Somehow we expect to do the same old things over and over and expect a different result. Ushers, help me out. Let's move pretty quickly. Let's get everybody. I want to go over these with you. I'm, I'm at fault here because I, I didn't want you looking at them beforehand because I didn't want you to get distracted by this. But let's begin to hand them out. And I'm going to go over them with you. Everybody start handing them down the rows. Uh, everybody take one. You need three items. You need three items. You need church-wide challenges, personal challenges, and memory verse challenges. Let me go over the personal one first even though you don't have it in your hand. Listen carefully. There's seven challenges to commit to because commitment is raising the bar. And here it is. Commit to raising the bar in your own spiritual life. In other words, I'm not satisfied with where I am. 
I'm going to raise the bar in my own spiritual life. Number two, personal challenge. Commit to read through the New Testament in the next seven weeks. Listen, I'm asking every member of this church in the next seven weeks to read through the entire New Testament. Some of you have never done that before. It's time to raise the bar. Everybody say, we've got to raise the bar. Number three, commit to memorize the seven raising the bar verses. You've got a list. Just began to get the word. David said, hide your, I'm going to hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Now catch this. This sounds so easy, but you understand some people this is hard. Commit, are you, are you still with me? Have I lost you? Follow with me. Commit to a seven-minute morning devotion for seven weeks. Seven minutes every day for seven weeks. You say, Pastor, that doesn't, that doesn't sound like much. Hey, in seven weeks, it's nearly six hours with God. When's the last time you spent six hours in the presence of God? These are commitments. These are challenges. These are raising the bar. And now catch this. This is a part of our culture transformation. Commit to share the gospel with seven people in the next seven weeks. Seven, everybody say seven people in seven weeks. That's one person a week. We need to raise the bar. We need to change the culture. We need to transform the culture of our, our life because we're going backwards in a hurry, church family. We've lowered the bar so much that evangelism has been set in the back corner of the recesses of our mind. I know somebody may be getting angry with me now already. Hey, wait a minute. We had not got to the church challenges yet. Commit. Here's another. Commit to serve God and your church family tangibly. Plug into your church family and begin to serve somewhere. And then number seven, this is what we all need to do. Commit to live life filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be filled with the Holy Spirit every day. These are personal challenges. Hey, and I want, I want you to take these. And I want you to chew on them. I want you to begin. I'm, I'm challenging you today. And let me tell you something. These are in many ways challenging to me. And as your pastor, I'm raising the bar. And I'm going to commit to do every one of these, three th- of these seven things. In the next seven weeks, this begins the seven-week Raising the Bar churchwide campaign of, 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 of commitment. Now, look at these churchwide challenges. Now, this, now how, did, how did Moses raise the bar by faith? Let me back up here. You know how you're going to do all this stuff? By faith. Not by just grinning and bearing it. Well, Pastor Sam said we're going to read the New Testament. Just better get my Bible out. You missed the whole point. How did Moses overcome his issue? By faith. And if you've got enough faith to get to heaven, surely you've got enough faith to read the Bible and to be filled with the Holy Spirit every day and to win people to Jesus and to share the gospel. And now, here's a church wide. Now, oh man, I'm gonna I'm gonna step on toes. Commit to attend church. For seven straight weeks in a row. Why? Because the culture of our church world is we only hit about every other Sunday. And if you're going to change something, you've got to change something. 
And as my friend Pastor Ron says, if you want to change something, you got to get close. If you want to change your church attendance habit, you got to get closer to church. And I'm going to ask you boldly, be here for the next seven Sundays. You've already got one under, hey, man, we're, we already got one under, under our belt. We only have six more to go. Number two, commit to arrive early each Sunday for fellowship. What a thought. When our staff began to talk about this, one of the biggest issues was people coming in late. How many times can you come in late for work and it not be an issue? One, two, three, four, five, six. You say, well, Pastor, this is church. I know. God shows up here. And we enter His gates with thanksgiving and to His courts with praise. Everybody says, it's time to raise the bar. Commit to bringing the unchurched to church. That's a commitment we've got to make. Now catch this one. Commit to becoming a full-blown tither. Now listen, let me tell you what a tither is. That's someone who the Bible says takes 10% of all their increase and brings it to the storehouse. Not a tip. In fact, some of us... We tip our waiters more than we tithe. I'm just be honest. Got to be honest. Church-wise stats is at the most 25% of active church members are tithers. And so I want to encourage you to become a full-blown tither. Now, I appreciate everything everybody does, but listen, the Bible says if you want to rebuke the devourer off your life, read it in Scripture, you got to become a tither. And I believe God will bless you for it. And then I'm going to ask, as a church wide, commit to pray for lost people to be born again. Commit to connect with your church family in a better way than ever before. And then number seven, commit to a personal spiritual growth plan. How are we going to do this for goodness sakes? By faith. When you leave this room today, whether you're irritated or agitated or whatever other issue you may be dealing with, you just need to say, well, that's just normal because anytime uh, change takes place, it's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. America, it took us 200 years to lower this bar. It's not going to be 200 days to get us out of the hole. But it's got to begin here. And we got to look at one another. Husbands got to look at wives and, and, and children say, listen, things are changing in our house. Our priorities are changing. Our young men are going to hell in a hurry. Our church is struggling financially. Listen, we can't even pay our missionaries today. That ain't right. It ain't right. Just let the chips fall where they may, but that ain't right. It grieves my heart. So how are we going to do this? By faith. Moses. 
He dealt with every issue by faith. And that's how we're going to do it. Let's stand up. I want you to take these three documents. And these are documents. Listen. This is not what you wrap your chewing gum in when you're done with it. These are the raising the bar documents for our church family. Let's ask God to help us engage our future in faith. Father, today as we stand together on the precipice of transformation, with the opportunity to press forward and raise the bar of commitment to you and commitment to your purposes and commitment to our church family. We ask you to help our faith be ignited today. Lord, we hear the word. I pray you to open your ears to hear what what the word of the Lord is saying today. And you would hear it and you begin to declare it and begin to say, not only to yourself, but to your family. And not only to your family, but your friends. I'm raising the bar of commitment. My commitment to Jesus is going to be raised. My commitment to my church family is going to be raised. For goodness sake, my commitment to lost people is going to be raised. Lord, we thank you for faith that you gave us. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. The Bible says he's allotted to every man a measure of faith. Now, here it is. Let's read it together. The Christ call. This is Christ call. This is not a preacher, Sam. Listen, this was born in a staff meeting of our leaders and our, our volunteer staff. And we gathered together talking about the culture of our church and the culture of America. Together we hammered out the reality that we need to raise the bar. We believe we've got a Christ call. Because there's a crisis in America and a crisis in the local church. There's a Christ call to counteract this crisis. Let's read it together. Jesus is calling us by faith to raise the bar of our personal commitment to Him and His purposes, as well as raise the bar of our personal commitment to our Church on the Rock North family. Read it one more time. I'm going to pray for you. Jesus is calling us by faith to raise the bar of our personal commitment to Him and His purposes, as well as raise the bar of our personal commitment to our Church on the Rock North family. Listen today, as your pastor, from this day forward, I'm going to be committed more to you than ever before. Today, from this moment forward, I'm going to endeavor to be more committed to the lost people than ever before in this world that is without Christ. And from this day forward, your pastor is going to raise the bar of his personal commitment to Jesus Christ more than he's ever raised it before. That's my commitment to you. How am I going to do that for goodness sake? By faith. It is a lot of every man a measure of faith. 
For by grace you're saved through faith. And that's not of yourself. It was a gift of God. Father, today I release this church family. I thank you for them, Lord. I know this has been a challenge. It's challenging to me. I ask you, Lord, to help them by faith. To face their future in faith. And to raise the bar. Their commitment to you. Their commitment to your purposes. Their commitment to their church family. Help them, Lord, be able to walk. Help me, Lord, to be able to look at these personal challenges and these church-wide corporate challenges in a, in a way that we, by faith, we began to address each and every one. Put feet to our faith. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.